Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Griefcast with me, Cariad Lloyd. Griefcast is a place to talk, share and laugh about the peculiar human process of death and grief. Each week I talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way. Whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club. Welcome to Griefcast. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey Christers, I hope you're having an okay week. It's um, oh, it's so weird, isn't it? It's like all easing here in the UK and it's been a bit sunny in London and it's felt really nice, obviously it's felt so nice um, to get out and see people but there's still like this weird like, it hasn't gone away and it just reminds me of grief because it's like your life goes on, you feel okay and then you're like, hang on, what? is bothering me oh yeah they're still dead um so anyway just i hope wherever you are you're doing okay and coping with the easing and if where you are living is not easing i hope you're doing okay because yeah it's not like it's all gone away is it sorry this is a bit bleak but i mean it's the grief cast so we're allowed to be bleak aren't we thank you so much for your lovely messages as ever about last week's episode with richard it was a really, yeah, it was a really special episode, actually. It was really chuffed that I got to talk to him. He was just, yeah, so wise and so kind. So, yeah, if you haven't listened to that, do. As ever, um, if you've been enjoying this season, it's actually, like, the longest season I think I've ever done. Brilliant people keep wanting to talk to me. So I keep adding weeks. Um, so we will be going for a few more weeks. So if you have been enjoying it, please do rate, review and subscribe. Uh, it will help me continue to make this podcast. And if you've done it already, thank you very very much this week i'm talking to the fantastic Catherine may Catherine is an amazing writer her most recent book wintering recently became a new york times bestseller uh, she's also the author of the electricity of every living thing and she runs the true stories writing school as well uh, Catherine is such a wonderful person really just so lovely and I thoroughly recommend following her on instagram as well because she lives in whitstable by the sea and a lot of her instagram stories is just good good C P 
pictures, you know, when you don't invite the tea, that's very nice. Um, Catherine spoke to me remotely from her living room and my living room about her wonderful grandparents and in particular her grandma. Catherine, firstly, huge congratulations. Um, I'm a bit smug, can I say why? Because I mentioned your book, Wintering, ages ago. Ages you ago. You did. You did. You I was were right in there. And yeah. I'm like like a rivet. Exactly. Like a rivet. <laughs> and because um, I thought it was so brilliant and it's such a brilliant book and it's such a good time to read something like this. It's really, really brilliant in our <laughs> yeah. depth of our like, worst winter. And then I saw it had, you know, become a New York Times bestseller. Is that right? And I I felt very yeah. ahead of the curve. <laughs> oh, right I was there, like, really I early. told you. I said she was good. I said the book was good. And then I thought, Karen, this is not your win like this is no it is it's totally own it it's yours it's fine how are you You feeling that must be such a like is it a bit surreal to be in lockdown and have news like that yeah yeah, I think I mean I think it helps in a way because otherwise it would have blown my Mm. tiny mind really um it feels like it's happening to someone else and I'm quite comfortable (laughs) with that you're really pleased for her I'm so glad for her I'm pleased yeah that Catherine May she's doing really well it's lovely she's worked really hard it's well done (laughs) I think my my American editor thinks I've got some kind of disassociation <laughs> going on because she keeps sort of saying, "So how are you feeling?" I'm like, mm, "Fine, good." So anyway, uh, you know, I think because what do exactly. you do with that? You it's really hard to consider. Like my work, a bit like yours. Like my work's really yeah. personal, and like how do you process? I mean, I think we've I think we're like ninety thousand copies wow. in the US or something now. Like. 90,000 people reading about your, your story, life it's yeah. really you, you can't that's mad isn't it that's so mad it, it is a brilliant book it is a brilliant if you haven't if you're listening you haven't read it oh, it's brilliant you. and I mean you're probably sick to death of of that comparison but I I never has a book come into my life at more perfect you know sometimes when you're on holiday and you you read a book and you're like oh this is set where I am wow like it's all in Rome and I'm in Rome I didn't realize and when I started wintering I was like this is where I am in the depths of the worst winter I've ever experienced so yeah it's really yeah it's a really it's a really brilliant book um so Catherine um who are we remembering today remembering my gran June June that's a great grand well actually do you know what I have to tell the truth she'd hate me for saying this but um she wasn't actually called oh, June she was called Gertrude oh. she was called Gertrude Royale what a name that is amazing it. I know that's how she felt about it that, hang on Royale was her middle name or surname Royale was her middle name <gasps> and she <laughs> that is the she, best name Gertrude Royale no she hated it she said that she'd got called Dirty Gertie from number 30 oh, at school yeah but also it was like her lifelong kind of resentment that her sister oh. got Lillian Violet. What, say again? And she got Lillian Violet. Oh, that is a pretty name, yeah. It is a pretty name. Yeah. And Grandma got Gertrude Royale. Yeah, that's... And she did not feel okay about it. I can see <laughs> why she was annoyed. Because I think Gertrude yeah. Royale's an amazing name. Stunning. It sounds really cool now, It's really it cool, us? but if your sister got Lillian Violet, you'd be like, what are you saying? Mm. Why did she get the really then, pretty name? Yeah, and her sister ended up with the married name Nightingale, so she was Lillian Violet Nightingale, which just sounds like a summer breeze drifting past. (laughs) That is harsh, isn't it? That is harsh. (laughs) Lillian Violet Nightingale. God, what a... Mm. If she wasn't, like, floating when you met her, you'd be disappointed, wouldn't you? Like, she (laughs) came in on on the breeze. Gertrude Royale is... That's such a Mm. cool name. It is, I suppose it does have that kind of, like 
performer cabaret drag queens feel about it doesn't it because it's yeah. so dramatic isn't it you have to be and a Gertrude Royale like yeah and she wasn't she was very very quiet Aww. so no she she would not be known as anything except for June well, so June's I probably lovely. completely betrayed her right no. now She's... <laughs> sorry sorry well we're gonna call you June so don't worry we remembered as June so um how long ago did June die was it a while ago it was or? a long time it's yeah. uh, well over 25 years wow. I was 17 oh, so it's a long wow. time ago actually yeah was that yeah. your first kind of big my loss. first death yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd only lost a cat before then oh. I was saying when we when we started I lost my cat last night as well so I'm, you're I'm in, in grief the, in the, now in you're, yeah, yeah you're and I'm it. really sad about the cat actually it's taken oh, me by surprise of course you are I'm not surprised <laughs> How long had you had the, the cat? What was the cat's name? Let's honour the cat. She was called Lulu oh. and she was 15. Oh, that's harsh, yeah. Catherine. So she was old. Yeah. yeah, but then they've been with you so long. Like 15 is a long yes. time. Well, she kind of slightly hated us. She was a very slight, you know, shy kind of cat. Yeah. And she lived under next door's shed in the garden and <laughs> stared at us a lot. But um, towards the end of her life, she came in and made friends. So she's like oh. ruined us. <laughs> We'd have been fine if she hadn't been so nice to us for the last few weeks. <laughs> Oh, I like. I do like that sort of cat who's like, I don't need you, I don't want you, but you're here. Yeah. And then very yes, sensibly is like, now I'm not well, please look after me. I think there's something quite, quite honest about that relationship. <laughs> I've never really yeah. liked you, but I am now sick, so I'm here. Um, yeah. Bless you. That is obviously, it, of course, that's really sad. <laughs> so you were 17. What happened? What did, she, what did she die of? Um, she had renal failure, so okay. she'd been dialysing for quite a few years. Um, and when she came to the end of her life she got an infection in the line that you dialyze through Mm. which is actually really common um she'd refused to be put on the kidney donor list because she felt she was too old and she didn't want to take a kidney from a younger person i know she's a she's a really sweet person oh gosh and so she died well i always say she died on her 80th birthday she died in the night of her 80th birthday so she sat up in hospital bed and blew out birthday candles and then and then kind of slipped away yeah Oh my god! Yeah, I know. Catherine, what pretty... a death! Sorry, I'm like, that's incredible. So you, so you, yeah. they had a little birthday party. Were you there at the hospital when you did yeah, a little birthday? Yeah, we party? had a little birthday party. It it'd been pretty awful. So, um, essentially, like she'd been we because we knew a lot about her condition. Mm. You know, we'd helped her to manage it for a long time. And we knew she had peritonitis because that's something that you're always looking out mm. for with with you know dialyzing patients. So when uh, we'd kind of called the GP and they they admitted her to the wrong hospital who basically just neglected her and it hadn't occurred to us that we should ring the renal unit where we knew everybody and I think like I think about this a lot and I think this is like a major working class thing that we didn't feel entitled to ring up yeah the, the doctors because they were fancier than us you know mm. like you know, we're the we're the kind of family that used to dress up specially to go to see the GP you know because <laughs> we wanted them to think we were better than we were yeah. um so we and when we finally realized that she wasn't being looked after properly we rang the renal unit and they were like right we're going to ship her straight over you should have called you know and by then it was just too late she had to go in intensive care and she rallied a little and and as I say we celebrated her birthday and then and then she died but you know, like that does make me wonder. Mm. She she wanted to get over that eighty road. <laughs> yeah, it is funny, it is. isn't it? What I mean, we, no, no one knows, but the things that some people do wait for, yeah. like and then yeah. slip away after that, and you mm. know, I, yeah, I don't know what this. There's probably 
someone far cleverer than me to explain what sometimes happens but I had speaking to palliative care people like Dr Catherine Mannix she said things like that you know people wait for some things yeah. and they don't wait for other things yeah. and that's really hard and I, I think that's really interesting what you're saying about the doctors and I have a friend who's from a like just to clarify my mum is very working class but I yeah I'm not gonna like try and sneak in there <laughs> I am not um but my friend is from a working class background and she was talking about relative who was struggling with the doctor and I was a bit confused and she was like she mm. said to me you don't understand they they don't speak up yeah. for themselves she said she said they're not going to argue with that doctor and she's you know you know very what's the word I'm looking for like she would argue and she would advocate and she was like yeah, I yeah. she was like yeah. I can tell that they went to that hospital they were told something and they just didn't ask any questions they walked away because they were intimidated mm. and they were afraid and I was like oh that hadn't occurred to me that but of course no, you know really, when yeah, doctors say yeah. things I think sometimes we whatever class you are sometimes you all feel like well I guess they know best like and it's hard to kind yeah. of and especially well and also like you you specifically don't get listened to if yeah. you've got a working class accent in the first place mm. and you know they just it was it was really hard I think to to like see how they were seeing her which was just a little old lady at the yeah, end of her life yeah which I didn't I didn't perceive at all yeah um and yeah it was I mean like yeah, I couldn't claim I'm working class anymore. You know, <laughs> like my life, my life has changed a lot since then. But also, I've argued with every doctor ever since. Yeah, you know? yeah, like I, yeah. I learned to ask a lot of questions after that because yeah, I think that's it. To know, not we knew it was wrong. Yeah, to not assume, and obviously, mm. obviously, people who work in the NHS have a very hard job, and it's a very Absolutely. very difficult position. Yeah. But I think yeah, that you're not whatever institution you're dealing with, it's important to always to not be. Um, mm. starry-eyed about them I suppose to, to no, question right. to question I was really brought up like yeah. my dad really brought me up with this idea like no one can tell you anything like always think what they're up to <laughs> like always question them yeah. and I had a terrible row with the teacher once because I said why should I listen to you and he said because I'm your teacher and I went and and <laughs> it's like and now I think what I know what an ass who would want to have t- taught me I was awful but, but I was like point. I thought just because you're my teacher why does that mean what does that mean? Yeah. I was. I meant it yeah. philosophically. He he did. He took it more as an act of utter, <laughs> utter disrespect, which is fair. So um, she passed away that night. So mm. what happened? Did you sort of wake up in the morning and get the call? And no, we got the call kind of very early in the morning to oh. say that she was dying. Um, and we because she was in a hospital in Dulwich, and we were in like kind of Gravesend oh, area, okay, yeah. and it took a long time yeah, to get yeah. there. There was traffic; it was really hellish. And by the time we got there, she'd already died. Oh. And that was—I mean, I've—I've I've really carried the guilt of that. Mm. I mean, I was—it was not in my control. I was seventeen; I couldn't have done yeah. anything about it. But I, like, in the aftermath, I felt like a she'd have never left us, mm. and I felt terrible she'd been on her own. And I also felt like we should have known, like we should have stayed. Mm. But now, I mean, I have to say, I now think, I don't think we did know. I don't think we had a clue, any of us, that that was going to happen. And I also think, and I've heard a lot of people, you know, as you say, like from the palliative care Mm. industry, say that there are some people that don't want to die with their family. They wouldn't be that burden. And that would almost certainly have been true with her. She would not have ever imposed on us mm. in that way she'd have definitely kind of wanted to do it as quietly as possible I think yeah I was Catherine, Catherine Mannix in the episode when I spoke she said that and that was the first time it sort of occurred to me that 
some people don't want the family around because she was like yeah. some people do some people want it and she said other people yeah. and she described and i'm sure it's the episode where she said you know you'll get people who've been on vigils they've been there hours and hours and hours mm. they just literally go to the loo get a cup of tea i remember hearing that and yeah. then someone passes away yeah. and they feel like oh it's my fault i went and the the nurses are often more like they they were they waiting waited. for you so that you yeah. didn't have to see it and i was like oh mm. and after i um now i have children i thought oh yeah before I would never have been able to imagine that, but now I've had children, I can. My opinion has changed. I think I can imagine not wanting your children to see that, yeah. perhaps not wanting yeah, them to yeah. be in that pain. Absolutely. Um, no, I totally get it. And it's funny. Like a few years later, we were with my um, husband's father when he died, mm. and that was very, very different. You know, like we were there for the whole process. Mm. He was in a hostel, uh, hospice, or in a hostel. That sounds like we shipped him <laughs> off to a cheap hotel to die. We didn't do that. <laughs> Um, we were really nice about okay, it yeah. but that was like a very like a, a very kind of process of us holding vigil with him mm. while he died and with a hospice nurse guiding us through the process of what he was experiencing at that yeah, time yeah and I thought actually my grandma would have hated that fuss <laughs> like no you know not to denigrate anyone that wants it because yeah, I get yeah. it but she would have she'd have seen that as fuss and bother yeah and that would have not been her thing at all she'd have felt she'd have been awkward about it she'd have found that profoundly awkward and embarrassing yeah and then I think what did Kevin said something like you know you can't die if you're feeling awkward and I thought oh yeah yes (laughs) oh yeah of course because you'd be worrying about it and also this idea Mm. I think we always have this idea of like the aim is not to die whereas actually when someone is at the point where they are going to that should be peaceful that should be dealt with like which you know as you said people working palliative care or hospice nurses that is their training is to make it peaceful but in our brains somewhere it's like how do you keep them going? That's Isn't that what we're all doing? And it's like, no, not always. But yeah, I can, no. if she was a woman who didn't want to make a fuss about her a kidney, no. don't, <laughs> bless her. <laughs> no, She's not right. going to want a fuss from, yeah, bless her. And so you were 17. So you were definitely aware, I guess, much more aware of like your relationship mm. with her. Was it quite close? Had you been always quite close to each other? Yeah. So I um, I lived in her house for a long time. When my parents divorced, oh, when wow. I was, uh, or when they separated when I was four, we moved in with my grandma and granddad and lived there for three or four years. Wow. So we were really close. Um, and I, so like my last book, Electricity of Every Living Thing, was about me realising I was autistic when I was 38. Wow. And I always felt this real affinity with my grandma. And I now look back and see like a little model of me. You know, she absolutely craved retreat and peace and quiet and kind of calm routine. Like that's what she needed all the time. My mum's very different. My mum's a lot kind of more noisy and chaotic in lots of ways, much more outgoing. Um, and I just loved being in her house. I, I really was devastated when we had to move out. Mm. My mum obviously like wanted her own house yeah. like, growing <laughs> yeah, up. I yeah. couldn't see that at all. Um, and I went back there and stayed every weekend all through my childhood. I went there all, you know, on my holidays. Mm. Um, but also like we had this big routine as a family that we had Sunday lunch every Sunday without fail all together that she cooked every week. It never varied, you know. <laughs> um and that, I mean, all of that was so comforting yeah. for me. Like she was, she was my real sense of home and stability and the person that you'd come to in a crisis and she would sort it. You know, there was, a, mm. there was like a sort of steeliness about her as well. She was a very soft, gentle person. But she also, if you needed something, you'd see this resolve coming over her face and she would sort it for you. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, so I was, I was, I was incredibly close to her and I really, you know, for me, she was a second mother, no, no question yeah. at all. Um, that's so amazing. Mm. That's so, I saw, you know, I was just thinking, cause my daughter is, um, four and she's very close to my mum. And yeah. so if you moved in at four and you're there to eight, like that's significant. You know, I think sometimes it's as really adults, you sort of are like, oh yeah, you know, those, they'll be fine. They're just doing this thing for a bit. But four to eight as a kid is like, yeah. that's your world. It's when all your things are formed, yeah. isn't it? It's like, <laughs> it was, yeah. And it's also when you think, yeah. it's that really sweet bit where you think your grandparents are so cool. <laughs> like, oh my God. So cool. But you know what? I, I never left, like I never lost that sense. Aww. And it, I remember um, being in CNA with her when I was about 13 um, and holding hands with her. And um, two girls, like older girls from my school kind of giggling at me and my grandma saying, drop my hand and walk away and I was like no I'm not doing that no you know (laughs) I was really I was so so devoted to her (laughs) so she was like dude this is how I'm gonna make I'm gonna save you I'm gonna help you and you were like (laughs) no what you're a legend that's such a legend thing to do I don't care (laughs) bully me I'm with June this is the coolest woman (laughs) I think that's so sweet that she was trying to give you the cool option and you said yeah. no like for her <laughs> yeah. that must have lifted her spirits so much to be like oh she doesn't she'd rather be with me and be on un- and seen as uncool yeah yeah that like she knew she knew she was adored my cousin was the same my cousin my cousin spent a lot of time with her when she was a child as well and she had these two absolutely adoring granddaughters I think you know she's very very lucky in that sense and I think she knew it we just you know there was no question I mean you say I think this you say lucky but I sort of think you gotta put the work in that's what I see with my mum. Yeah. My mum puts the work in. Like, they yeah. adore her, but she adores them. And it's mutual because she's put the yeah. work and time into that child. And I think sometimes, you know, oh, I'm very, you know, like, yeah, my mum was always just lucky. And I'm like, no, you're, you're like a good grandma. <laughs> like, yeah. the time is put, yeah. the effort, the listening, the patience Absolutely. to just sit there and do nothing when, you know, your parents, me, might be like, oh, I just need to go and do all these thousands of jobs. My mum will just sit there for like... <laughs> Yeah, like three hours just like doing a jigsaw. Know. You know? My mum and my mum and my son are really similar actually. They he had, he's absolutely devoted to her and she lives in Spain, so they spend hours on Skype every oh. week, you know, and she will sit in a kind of tent, a duvet tent, you know, on Skype playing with him. Oh. Or she'll sit and watch him while he plays Roblox, you know. And sometimes he sits her next to him on the iPad oh watching God. TV. This is adorable. You know, and she just sits there with him. And yeah, again, it's like you put the hours in. Yeah, you? yeah. So you get repaid. I'm sure she had, you know, deserved that adoration is what I mean from you and your cousin. It sounds like, you know, yeah, she looked after she you and did. cared. And how had that relationship changed then? Like, that's what I think is interesting. I was very close to my grandpa, my um, dad's mm. dad. And then I, I mean, it didn't really happen because of when he, my dad died when I was 15 and then six months later, my grandpa died. Essentially mm. of a broken heart, I think. Um, and so I didn't really have to manifest into that adult relationship. Like what happened with you and June as you got into a teen- teenager? Did you find... Or did it just turn into a more lovely relationship? It was, it was just the same. I mean, I, you know, like I had a very tempestuous relationship with my mum. I always had a very difficult relationship with my dad because we, um, like, we never lived in the same house, really, yeah. in my memory. And I had big periods when I didn't see him at all. But me and my gran were just fine. You know, she used to buy me the records out of the back of the NME that I wanted. <laughs> She was really supportive, like buying me babes in Toyland records. And um, I always remember going into... She's getting um, cooler and cooler, Catherine. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's immensely cool, yeah. 
Yeah, she. Um, I sent her into our price in Chatham to buy um, a copy of. Um, Already, our I'm imagining your Huggy Bear. Oh my god! I'm just imagining she, this tiny out... little lovely June having to go into our price, having to ask, find the record, check the price. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted yeah, yeah. you. What you she saying? did. No, no, no. Well, it was really funny because when she'd had to order it, and when I came to collect it, she'd put it down as I troubled youth, like it was like this personal statement. <laughs> yeah she did she was really good to me oh my goodness <laughs> she, she was very accepting I think even though like I, I wasn't an easy teenager mm. in any way but um there was never any sense of like disapproval or judgment with her you just you just knew you were loved and mm. that was it was straightforward it was not contingent on anything were you sort of into writing at that point was she supportive of you in that way or was it more just like whatever yeah. you want to do I don't mind of kind of thing yeah, I was into writing, but also she was the only reader that I knew. Oh, wow. So I learned really the practice of reading mm. from her. She um, she was an absolutely voracious reader in a way that I've never matched. And she used to go to the library every week and get like 15 books out wow. and just read through them. And she'd exhausted whole libraries, you know, <laughs> she'd completely... And I remember like very snobbishly saying to her when I was probably about, you know, 14, 15, why don't you read the classics? And she was like, I read them all ages ago, I've run out. You know, <laughs> she was, <laughs> she loved like romance novels, yeah. but she loved most of all horror novels. She was really into Stephen King and James Herbert and Dennis Wheatley. And um, if The Shining was on, she'd sit up late to watch that. You know, <laughs> she loved... <laughs> Oh my God, June! <laughs> I've seen The Shining once in my life and I am scarred. I am absolutely scarred. (laughs) Like, I'm sure I've told the story before, but the only reason I saw it is that I had a friend over as a teenager, went to the front door to say goodbye to her, came back in and it was on the television. Like, the programme we'd watching had just (laughs) turned into The Shining and I was too scared to turn it off. So I watched it out of fear, just sat on the sofa, not even leaning back. Because I was like, well, you can't, you can't, like, it will know somehow. So June, that is... yeah. Wow. Love The Shining. That was her favourite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And really got me into Stephen King as a teenager. Like, wow. really, really. You know, I was I became a big fan, too, because she'd passed on all the books. So. Yeah, that's interesting, because Stephen King's interesting, I think, because now everyone's like, oh, Stephen King, Stephen King is a very good writer. But I remember a time when it was like, oh, horror writer, yeah, trashy. schlocky, trashy. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, he's just don't take him very seriously. Whereas now we all appreciate, it's actually quite hard to write really brilliant novels that make you want to turn pages um i mean every girl should have a gran who takes a copy of carry out of the library for them when they start their period seriously like that's that's she didn't yeah she did she got you i started i started my first period in her house in her bed and i i woke up in the morning and i'd bled all over the bed and i didn't know what to do because i i knew i couldn't she was she was like embarrassed about that kind of thing she you know she'd happily read Dennis Wheatley but she wouldn't talk about periods and I but I knew I needed to tell her but I couldn't get her separate from my granddad to tell her before I got to school so I ended up just having to go to school and making the bed over the top of it and she obviously found it quite (laughs) soon on and my mum arrived at school like (laughs) have you started your period I was like (laughs) but yeah so poor grandma but yeah. So did I, um, she ever speak to you I, about it? She just or she just said, "Here's Carrie." <laughs> that was it. She she kind of did. She kind of said, um, like she shuffled up to me and looked at her feet and said, um, I, "I noticed you started your thingy." <laughs> and I said, mm-hmm. and she said, 
I hope it's not painful. Mine were really painful. And that was it. That was the end of the conversation. Aww. But yeah, bless her. She she did reach out in her own way, but um, she was not of a generation that no. talked about that sort of thing. any of that kind of thing. But bless yeah. her to even do that. Like, yeah, that's she, amazing. She meant well with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah like, that's amazing. Yeah. And what her influence on you, because I think it can't be underestimated. And I know, obviously, lots of people said this, but like, having an older woman around when as you as mm. are, are turning into a woman inverted commas who gives you that even if you don't go into the details like what do you need how heavy yeah. is your flow but just to not be embarrassed to talk about it I think that's just magical I think we sometimes underestimate like what what that can do because immediately you go mm. oh it's not embarrassing it's okay it's part of it's part, part of the of cycle it. of life yeah it's yeah. a bit obviously yeah. fair enough she doesn't want to go into the details but no. <laughs> she didn't shame you that's I guess what I mean she didn't shame you for no. it she just was like oh well no, there we no. go and then, hope it's not painful and then yeah. got you and then got yeah. you a copy of Carrie <laughs> yeah 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 like we... <laughs> absolute legend what a way to sort of go there you go love this will help that's amazing. <laughs> I'm not sure how Carrie does help, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, but not just sure, sort of like, like... Maybe that's how it felt to her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just sort of... It's quite funny, actually. It's quite sort of wry sense of humour way of dealing with it. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to Griefcast with Carrie Ad Lloyd. I love that you said, like, you know, reading the classics. I think there's that idea, especially when you're a teenager, you sort of think you suddenly know everything, don't you? And then the adults haven't been around yeah. so much longer than you. They're like, I've done, I've actually done that. <laughs> you're like, oh. I've, read, I've read the lot. I've read love. it, yeah. yeah it, it's done. That's so amazing. But, you know, she, like, 
she passed me on um, The Famished Road by Ben Ockrey. She passed me on The Unbearable Lightness of Being wow. by Melanchondera. <laughs> you know, like she, because she was just reading anything. Because yeah. she, she was an exhaustive reader. And so she, yeah, she, I wouldn't have read a load of, a load of books without her. I really love a good reader. Because I think we've yeah. forgotten, like you said, someone who said it's not about oh, this one's this or this, you know, that kind of snobbishness that happened. Like, cause I did English at university, so you move on to that sort of snobby, mm. something has to be worthy. And then it's quite hard, yeah. I found, to sort of get out of that. And when you do meet someone who's just, it, it's not about, it's just a reader, like, likes mm. the acting, the action of reading. So, yeah. it, like you said, it's not, yeah. oh, this is, I only read these sorts of books, I only read these sorts of books. And yeah. then to be reminded that it's like, no, it, like like music you know like I'm so I'm really good with music I'll listen to anything I don't feel like I may have to be in a slot but with books I do have this like oh, is that a book for me like and I have to sort of give myself <laughs> yeah, a kick and be like is it good is it and I've got much yeah. better as I've got older like just being like well do you enjoy it end of story but it's a young thing isn't it you're not sure who you are yeah. and so you kind of want to make sure that you've got the right books on your shelf but um yeah you, to prove we get over that yeah most of us get over that but I think that's so nice that she must have you know, again, giving you that experience of like, well, this little old lady is sitting here reading Carrie and then reading yeah. The Unbearable Nights of Being, like, it's not about... Yeah. And then a lot of Catherine Cookson as oh. well, you know, like, let's be clear. And Catherine Cookson, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. So many Catherine Cookson. But, it's you prolific. know, like, readers like her are bulk, re- are bulk readers, you yeah. know, like, so they need authors who just write a lot of books. Yeah, because she's reading they... so much. You can't hang around yeah. for the people just, you know, only no. popping out one book no. can you you need like you said you need you need people are going to churn it you out need the, the bulk yeah. yeah and the whole of publishing runs on those authors and those readers I mean yeah. that's how writers like me stay in in work is because the people that churn out loads yeah, of genre yeah. books yeah. for those voracious readers definitely yeah and it's um, like we said Amazing. about Stephen King like it, it's easy to be snobby about it but actually it's as much as a skill to be able to churn out a new story that's going to sell and keep people interested he's such a storyteller yeah. he has exactly the same sex scene in every book <laughs> and it's, there's always a moment where the woman's lying there with her lover's seed drawing on her thigh uh, like every time Stephen but <laughs> Stephen come on like, find a please. new word <laughs> but he he's, yeah, he's a, a great storyteller, storyteller. Yeah. And that's a skill that we don't realise is a skill. I think mm. it's starting to be, it feels like it's being more appreciated lately, I think, with books. But I, I definitely remember a time when, yeah, like good storytelling wasn't, it was more about like no. sort of the language or something or the heightness of it. Where now you're like, the ability to keep you interested with characters and story is so hard. And yeah, yeah. someone like him who can just turn it out. <laughs> And I, I feel yeah. like that about, you know, Jane Austen as well. Obviously, I've, I do this. Um, yeah, uh, you're a fan. Yeah, I'm a you? fan. Well, it's funny, I'm like, <laughs> not a mega fan, but because of the show Ostentatious that I do, I'm obviously mm. very into it. And you can see patterns and sometimes a character turns up and you're like, oh, I know him. Who Here he comes. <laughs> but her storytelling is so good. Yeah. You want to get to the end. And that yeah. is, that's magic. Anyway, we've gone off, we've gone off June because I'm sure June would appreciate <laughs> that we're talking about books in this way. She'd love that. Yeah. She'd, well, she, well, she would never have talked about any book. Actually. Oh, really? She, she was just a reader. Never, yeah. never any discussion. She was just reading. I, you know that's and nice as well sometimes every now and again she'd say this one's good but that would be <laughs> <laughs> the extent of the discussion but how many times have you read a book just wanted to tell someone it's good and then they've gone into this yeah. like well let me tell you why and you think i oh, just just read it like do we have or, to have a discussion or, about it yeah or when people go into like a completely unwarranted critique oh, that's yes. about them and their perception yes. rather than like whether the book's actually oh yeah i found myself doing just, that the other day i was recommending one 
that wasn't a classic. And I found myself oh. trying to be like, well, I do know the pros is. And I thought, carry on, just say, I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I liked it. it. I really liked it. That's enough. I really liked That's it. That's more than enough. <laughs> <clears throat> what was her yeah. relationship like with your mum? Like you said, so your relationship with your mum was like, she was different mm. to you. Because I find it interesting that, you know, was she a brilliant grandma? And then was your mum kind of like, yeah. hang on a minute, like because that's yeah, so. Yeah, my mum was just like that. So yeah. that generation of women, there's always yeah. that thing, isn't it? Of like, what? <laughs> like, what's going on here? I yeah, there was real push and pull between her and my mum. Um, and actually, like after after she died, my granddad. I mean, it was really awful to see my granddad grieving. Yeah. He was this really sort of tough. Um, stable another like just another really lovely person it was awful to see him upset but he he came round uh one night for dinner and sat down and told us about her postnatal depression which I hadn't known anything about and he said that um you know after she'd had her first child which was my aunt um she'd struggled so much and he'd been working away at the time he was a a printer Mm. uh, and he'd been working in Watford and living away in the week and coming back at weekends and her doctor had called him and said you've got to come home she can't can't cope you know growing up I always knew like my granddad always did half the housework and he always like he was always very kind of involved in the household and he said like you know that's what I did I I could have had a better career but I made sure she was okay and I, you know, like I thought that was, I think that says a lot about both of them, actually. Yeah. Like he totally stepped up to that. She wasn't, her her depression was not dismissed. It was looked after. And she talked a lot about how she struggled when she had two children. Because I think my mum and her sister fought like cat and dog. Mm. And she... She she often talked about how they pushed her just past all endurance, which is how I feel about being a mother as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I think, like, my mum always felt like she was the least favoured sister. Her, other, her sister went on to become a teacher and was kind of intellectually, like, bright at school, and my mum struggled at school. And so, there, yeah, there was always a bit of push and shove. And my mum is like a bit rebellious you know she was she was the one that was always out partying mm. and all that kind of thing and I think she's the one that's needed the most help you know because she got divorced and you know yeah so there was tension and when grandma died my mum I, I mean I think it's probably fair to say did not cope with it very well actually mm. and rather than like couldn't grieve couldn't be soft about it but instead was sort of quite dismissive and said oh well we didn't really get on that well and I found that incredibly painful mm. I really because they did like my mum dropped in every single day to onto my gran and you know like you th- there was no sense in which they didn't get on mm. that well Miss protecting but it was the herself. easiest yeah it was the easiest thing for her to say mm. and so that meant that everything was disposed of that I trusted in the world like so the Sunday lunches stopped immediately the day she died that was it that was the last Sunday lunch we ever had like nobody carried them on and I I and and, (laughs) like even um so so the uh hospital asked if they could keep her body to do a post-mortem to see what she died of because they thought she might have an unusual strain Mm. of bacteria and they wanted so there was this awful time when we didn't know where she was and we couldn't get any answers about the body. And by the time, like I, like nothing about the funeral was managed in any kind of a, 
respectful way mm. I felt like it, it was just over and done with like everyone was trying to get everything over and done with as quickly as possible and her ashes were buried without me knowing like I got home from school one oh day my and my mum said oh we buried grandma today what? and I was like what the f-? yeah why you know, my mum was like oh me? I thought it'd be easier you know <laughs> So oh my god that's this... such a mum and daughter conversation isn't it and you're yeah. like how like, fucking day in what like, way yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so everything everything was just kind of hurried mm. you know and do you think that's like a working even... class thing I'm just thinking about my yeah, mum's family as well and it's kind of like get it done tidy up like let's not make a fuss yeah. you know gotta be practical she, she had Don't a good life good innings yeah. and yeah very That's sad it, but over. these things happen mm. aren't they it's like this weird like any any form yeah. of vulnerability or emotion I find that side of the family it's like pack it away it's dangerous yeah come on I'd, I'd, I'd never realised that about my family until that moment mm. um, but yeah it was it was really buttoned up and I was devastated Mm. I was absolutely devastated and I you know tried to talk to people at school about it you know sort of all my friends you know saying my grandma's died and people go yeah my grand died you know and sort of shrug and I was I was in this state of complete desperation about wanting to explain to people that someone that meant the universe to me had died Mm. and I felt like my whole world was spiraling out of control and I couldn't get any, it was like forbidden grief. It was not, it was not grief you were allowed to really have. You were supposed to just be like, oh, grands though, they were so boring and smelly. You yeah. know, like we have a really weird thing about grands in this country. I think it re- it's really hard because the problem is, I think everyone gets, oh, mum and dad are quite important. Like when they die, that's mm. sad. Or well, some people, I mean, you know, some people don't. Um, I've had plenty of people say, oh, I wouldn't be bothered if my father died. I think, well, come back to me oh, when God. it happens. But I think with grandparents, so many people don't have a close relationship anymore, mm. especially like we live a, we live far away or you don't, you know, you don't have someone yeah. who's willing to put the hours in. And um, when my, my granny and granddad died, my mum's parents before my dad actually I wasn't especially close to them. We, they, they lived in Essex. We didn't see them that much. Mm, I was mm. sad. I thought it was sad, definitely, and I was sad. But um, but it was no no big. It didn't. Sort of event, it didn't break me. Yeah. I just thought, oh gosh, yeah. that's really sad. And I didn't. And I knew my mum was really sad. And I didn't really understand quite what it meant. But I knew, like, okay, we're sort of never going there again. But we, mm. you know, they weren't my my other grandparents live around the corner so that was like much more of a connection I think sometimes especially when you're at school I remember people saying oh like my grandma died and people being like oh right because it just was like yeah "Yeah, they're old (laughs) like what do you know as a kid people die when they're old so what are you telling me someone died they're old okay and if you unless you if you have a grandma like you said like you clearly did that was like a second Mm, mum and I've mm. interviewed there's um an episode with Sean Harris who uh brilliant episode lovely lovely Welsh comedian and she was really close to her grandparents and she said the same thing that everyone acted to her like why are you so upset like it was your grandma yeah. and she was like but it wasn't yeah, yeah. it's not just Nothing. my grandma like no it was more than that I think but some if you don't have that in your family it can be hard to get your head around it I think that's the problem it, yeah it was and it's like we're not comfortable with the conversation in the first no. place let alone you know I, I kept trying to kind of press my suit almost yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no 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 but you don't understand we were close. And she was really amazing yeah. she like was I think because we don't want the conversation because we're awkward if we can find a reason it's really reassuring so if we can find a reason mm-hmm. to dismiss it so if you go oh my dad died and we're like oh um oh sorry if you say my grandma died <laughs> my grandma died she was old oh great 
you're fine. I don't, we're not going to have yeah, to, you're not awesome. going to cry. Let's all move on. Yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, I can push that away because I'm afraid of having yeah. a conversation. Like imagine, yeah, 17 year old girls, from my experience of dealing with grief as a 15 year old, they're not great at- <laughs> No, no, I bet they're not. <laughs> the big stuff. I mean, some of them, obviously some of them are, but I think if they have, like, yeah, they just lost a grand who they saw twice a year, yeah. then it, that's what then that's, it, that's it, what it? it feels to them. And obviously she was so yeah. much more than that. So you, yeah. did you go to the, was there a funeral? Did you go to the funeral? Yeah, well, we had the cremation. Um, and I remember just feeling sort of very numb through mm. that. It was really, it was really odd. And they'd, they asked if I wanted to go and see the body. And I said, no, I couldn't, I couldn't bear the thought mm. of it. It just seemed, I'd, so I'd, I'd glimpsed her body when we'd arrived at the hospital. She was still in the bed. Right. And I'd, we'd kind of began to walk towards her and the nurse said, oh, she's not ready. Let's just, let's just make her okay. And that had been quite disturbing yeah. for me. Like I always wondered what that meant. Like what was what was awry mm. about her? Because then we went back and saw her once there. I think they'd put her teeth in and stuff right, like that, yeah. which she definitely would have wanted. Like <laughs> I never saw my grand without her teeth ever. But that was, I was really, I think I was really shocked by that moment. And I didn't want to go back and see her kind of done up yeah. by an undertaker. Um, and my mum came back and said they'd put her in this really weird gown with a high collar because she'd had a post-mortem because obviously oh, they have to cover up the, yeah, yeah. the incision and so they put this really weird high collared like my mum my described it as like a vampire robe and I was like I really don't want to go and see that that just sounds really <laughs> awful um, oh my goodness so and then um, uh, her next door neighbour had uh, been to see her first of all because he worked in the shop next door and he said they'd got her hair wrong and he'd had to explain how she did her hair to the undertaker so I was like all these little weird details were coming home about it and I was really uh, unraveled by that yeah, I didn't yeah. I didn't like the it all sounded a bit uncanny to me um the, the other thing I should say is like she and I shared this really vibrant interest in ghost stories like we both loved real life ghost stories you know <laughs> and there was a little bit of me that thought because I she really believed in them oh, and I was wow. always skeptical yeah yeah and I always thought, right, if anyone is going to come back, it's her. It's her. Like, she would be like, come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember really thinking, what do I do to be open to that? Yeah. Like, what, how do I invite that? And of course, she never, she never visited. I really, I really wish she had. <laughs> but hopefully not in the weird vampire gown that I'm <laughs> talking about. That's funny, isn't lining. it? Because I do, I have the same thought. I think, God, if you're really into ghosts then I hope you, definitely you, try, you get to come you? back as well because you're into it. Yeah, you know, and that you'd find yeah. that cool. But yeah, not for, it's, yeah, I don't know, isn't it? Who knows why the, these, sometimes there are these weird stories and sometimes they just aren't. Like I've never had anything just, yeah. really weird with my dad. I've had a few weird things that are like, that's odd. But if you were really sceptical, you could pull them apart pretty quickly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But I've definitely had a few things that are like, that's strange, but I've never had a kind of, yeah, it's funny. I only had something after they both died. So my granddad died about four years later. Um, under like and like that was fine because I'd yeah, I kind of have... I could see the process happening then. You're a bit I, more prepared, kind of aren't you? Because you have been through it once before. I think. Yeah, I think your I think your first one is really mm. a thing. Um, but yeah, I had a I had a dream one night where I felt like they both just sat with me in the room. Oh. And felt this absolute f- sensation of being drenched in love, like bodily, like it, like it was a presence. And I woke up the next morning thinking, well, you know, like you, there's nothing, mm. there's nothing 
supernatural about this in lots of ways but it felt qualitatively different yeah. to anything I'd had before and I it was really comforting actually it was really reassuring and sort of it felt like a bit of a reset for me that they were both there together and had come to say hi but I you know you couldn't call it a I was hoping for something creepy. I should have loved to have done something. <laughs> Come on, really Stephen King fan. Yeah. Where's my creepy visitation? She was probably like, I don't want to scare you. That's so lovely, though. That's so. It's weird, isn't it? That that's all I've ever had is like a sort of sense of something. You know, I've mm. never had like something moving, and and actually, I would be absolutely terrified. Like absolutely <laughs> terrified. Too. And one time when I was a teenager, like something happened, and I said, "Dad, if that's you, don't do it." Because I was like, "Please don't, just scare the shit out of me. Like yeah, move a plate yeah, or something." Yeah. Um, but I've definitely had like senses that you talk about, and but it's so hard. It's so hard to explain that in this world. Do you know what I mean? And if you do, yeah, it is. It, there's no, there's nothing to hang on to tell it, yeah. in lots of ways. And also, yeah. I think because you know, people, some people are so skeptical that if all you've got is, mm. oh, I had a feeling, I feel a bit like, oh, it's going to get ripped apart really quickly. <laughs> so I don't, yeah. don't want to say yeah. I had a feeling. But like now, I think because like my next door neighbour. I mean, this is such a working class thing as well. My next door neighbour, when I was growing up, used to regularly talk about her mum coming and sitting on the end of her bed for a chat. Her dead mum, yeah, yeah. you know. Like that, that, that ghosts were in our discourse yeah, a lot, yeah. actually, when I was growing up. And they're not like, again, middle class now. Nobody, <laughs> nobody as, gets visited. It's seen as stupid, isn't it? It's seen as ignorant yeah, to yeah, think yeah. that, to not have the sort of scientific knowledge that it's not possible. But I think it discounts, like you said, that feeling of of comfort. Like comfort, what, a, yeah. what an amazing thing that you dreamt they were both there and you felt amazing. Like, and even if that was your yeah. brain chemistry. Why would you unpick yeah, that? Yeah, why would you? Why? <laughs> Don't unpick it. Why? Yeah. For what purpose would that serve? Yeah, no. She... Yeah, it's funny. Mm. I hadn't had anything like that for such a long time and a friend passed away and I was putting my daughter to bed and I had the weirdest sense that she was at the doorway looking at me and smiling. Yeah. And I felt calm and I felt like she was like mm. giving me this like, don't worry, everything's totally, everything is fine. And then I thought, oh, wait, you're just a drama queen, aren't you? That's the sort of thing you'd imagine was happening. But I was... No, I say lean into yeah. that. Like, why would you not lean into that? That's amazing. Even if that's neurological, that's a gift, have it. Yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it. <laughs> but that's so lovely that they they visited you together as well. And I think especially when they were obviously such a, we didn't even go into that properly, that he had supported her so much through that, Mm. postnatal depression at that time that must have yeah, been yeah, unusual and and was able to talk about yes, it you know and, I mean guys. yeah I was blown away when he spoke to me about it she'd have never spoken about it but he I mean he was a very different character to her like he was her opposite in lots of ways he was incredibly outgoing I think he was quite lonely mm. living with her in lots of ways I think he'd have had loads of friends around like they never had any friends. They never had visitors. Like, that would not have happened. Um, and he he was very... He was, like... Um, he was reduced, really, to standing at the front gate to chat to people. That's what he did <laughs> yeah. all day. And then when he got bored, he'd go across to the shop and pack bags for people, just for, you know, just for free. Like, he'd just pack everyone's bags and say hi. And then when he got bored of that... He made great friends with Mr Patel and his family, and he often used to, like disappear for days at a time with and come back with all these Tupperwares full of samosas you know where he'd been taken home and fed because <laughs> I think they thought he was like a bit lost and then he'd go and stand at the bus stop and help people off the bus <laughs> like that was his little routine oh, all day because he was I think he was very bored but um 
But you know what? Like after she died, he, I mean, it was awful. It was really awful to see him grieving and he was in pieces. They really did love each other. Um, but he, um, he said, he sat down one day and said to me and my mum, do you know what? The last few years were some of the best years of our marriage. And um, she used to, after she'd dialysed in the evening, because she dialysed at home, she mm-hmm. had like bags instead of a machine. So she was able to do it at home. Um, she'd get into bed and she'd ask me to warm her up. And uh, yeah, we used to have a cuddle at most nights. And I remember looking at my mum and my mum was like, after he'd gone, she was, was, he, was he talking about sex? And I was like, I think he was. <laughs> oh. I love the idea of like, you know, those two having this kind of sexual renaissance at the end wow. of their life. Like, good for them. Good for dialysis. Obviously, like, got, yeah, got everybody ready to go again. <laughs> I mean, it gets a bad rep, but like, maybe it's better than we think it is. <laughs> they sound am- like, what an amazing... That just they sound like they were so in love so in love they, yeah I think they really were and he he always told the story of how he met her mm. he was friends with one of her brothers she came from a very big family and she used to sit in the window of her house and he used to ride his motorbike up and down just to look at her oh. <laughs> and I sort of think wow like you know may we all have that yeah, I mean God. isn't that just a lovely a whole span of your life like that and being so taken care of and you're like yeah your different needs respected because she probably wasn't that easy to handle yeah. when she was younger well there's yeah. so much to unpack isn't it because postnatal depression at that time would just call baby mm. blues you get over it for a man to have to leave his you know place of work because his wife wasn't coping rather than like yeah. having a baby it's a deeply traumatic experience and yeah. if you yeah. have a difficult one who's not sleeping for every reason or crying all the time and she was completely yeah. by herself that must have been a nightmare and so much mm. of after I'd had my first child I kept thinking about past women and I kept thinking about like oh, if I was a housewife if I didn't have help I was like one I would be a terrible mother really really mean really oh mean gosh, really yeah. really spiteful I have that you know if I'm, my needs aren't served I find it very difficult and and I would have been depressed, absolutely depressed, miserable. Yeah, I would have no, been such a... I can sort yeah. of imagine my 1950s kids describe me as just chain smoking and never really being there. <laughs> me being like, yeah, because <laughs> if no one is there to support you, what what could have gone two ways? You know, if he'd that doctor had rung and he'd said, well, I'm at work, she needs to get over it and that's her job and that's yeah. the end of it. So the fact that he didn't do that and that he loved her so much, like you said, to kind of... Mm. That's just yeah. It was it was kind of surprisingly enlightened in yeah. lots of ways, and I think she was treated with great compassion all through her life by him. You know, they really, they really were very, very, very sweet couple. Yeah. And I, I mean, actually, like the week after she died, the whole week there were people from the village knocking on the door to tell us about little kindnesses she's done for them. So she'd always been very quiet, and I always thought that she didn't really mix with anyone, but. Like everyone had a little tiny story and it and it was often women about how she helped them when they had babies. So that was before I knew she'd been depressed, but like women of my mother's age yeah. and some of the kids that I'd gone to primary school with actually, had, like just knocking to say like, you know, when I was at home with the baby, she just, she just dropped him. Oh, that makes you know, me and... cry, Catherine. Cause she, I know. <laughs> she must have known, she must have known I was all by myself yeah, and no did. one was there. So I'm going to make yeah. sure they're okay. And and it would have it would have cost her to do that because she did not like people. Yeah. Like honestly, she was like, if the phone rang, she'd be like, Oh, who's this? <laughs> you know. What do they want? But yeah. What do they want with me? Yeah, what do they want now? You know, I'm the I'm just the same when the phone rings, <laughs> Leave me alone. That's just I think that's a really 
lovely thing and it's interesting isn't it because if you're a loud showy person like you said or or not showy but if you're sociable mm. the world is yeah. often very um people know that they see your goodnesses they see your kindnesses because it's done yeah. very publicly and that's not to denigrate it is you know that's where it happened no, no. but my granddad's were very avert yeah, you know like you he was them. always prowling yeah, yeah. looking for people to help <laughs> Looking for a little free samosa and pack a bag at the same time. Yeah, and yeah, preferably with a samosa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then when people are quiet or find being sociable difficult, their kindnesses can get lost or hidden. And like you said, mm, that, that mm. you can think as a, a family member, like, oh, she doesn't really see anyone. And then to find out like all this this little yeah. quietness was going on. It's just a reminder, oh, it's just a reminder, you never really know what's going on in someone's life. You never really you never do. Yeah, you what, never ever do. What they're going upstairs for their cuddles with you don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah I know I know I feel a bit like inferior actually I mean, maybe... <laughs> you've got time will I be doing that when I'm 80 you're not 80 I don't know when you're 80 and you're thinking oh, I can't be bothered you'll think June June gave it a go so maybe yeah. I should <laughs> come and warm the bed oh that's just so I think it's so lovely I think it's I mean it should be cherished isn't it because so much of mm. of the life and the most people's stories aren't full of dedicated genuine love or there's many stories of yeah, um yeah oh they stay you know especially that generation they stayed together because they stayed that's what you did there wasn't another option yeah yeah no there's it's, there's no way that was true with yeah. those two they were really um they were very close and, and as I say like incredibly different mm. you know and I think that was what was lovely about them and you know, my granddad had life after her he moved out to Spain with my aunt wow. and had a great time actually like had a great last few years and died in a hospital in Spain after a short illness in fact he died eating a prawn sandwich which we were all like awesome that would have been exactly what he wanted you know the luxury of a prawn sandwich as well oh loved a prawn sandwich and like had a whole devoted community of people that he'd helped out you know there so he he had a good like little extra few years after she died actually um but yeah they were they were they for me they embody a good life yeah and that's kind of quite a nice legacy to leave I think really nice really nice and how do you feel about her now like what you said when you you know it was 25 years ago do you still have moments Mm. where you grieve her or do you oh my god I I mean I'm really surprised I've not been crying today (laughs) but I think it's been it's been really lovely to tell people about her because you know like she's a hidden life but um I, I'm regularly pottering around the kitchen and, and I burst into tears still, you know, like it just hits yeah. me. I, I want her to be there. I want my son to meet her. I met my husband about eight months after she died. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I wish, I wish she'd have met him. She'd have loved him. She'd have fed him far too much. <laughs> she wouldn't have let him move for like thrusting food on him. Um, yeah, I it just it bites you sometimes, yeah. doesn't it? It just it never stops that. How do you deal with that? Like are you someone who just lets it happen, just have a cry and then mm. it's fine or do you still find it hard? I love it to cry. No, I find it I find it easier. I found it hard for a long time. Mm. I really for the longest time felt like it was forbidden. Yeah. Really. I really did struggle and I I would still struggle to talk to my mum about it. Mm. I wonder if she'll listen to this. I'd be interested to know. I doubt she will. Um, but I, like, I often text my cousin about her. Yeah. We often have a little chat. And I talk, I talk to my son about her. Yeah. I, and, and about granddad. He'd have, I think, you know, he'd have been very impressed by granddad. who was like a 
professional boxer in the war and all this kind of thing. So there's some, some there's lovely heroic stories to tell about yeah, him. Yeah. And I but I talked to him about both of them and about what kind people they were, because I haven't got any mythology to pass on, but I've got that. That's a that's a thing I can tell him about what we are. It's like a it's an origin myth in a way, <laughs> in a you know, in a very secular family. Um and so yeah, I I kind of I like I like that I still feel moved by it in in a funny way now. It doesn't it doesn't feel agonizing or fraught anymore. Mm. It just feels like this bubbling up of of love and yearning and missing somebody which which is exactly the right thing to feel for someone that was such a massive part of your your life you know that's that's the way it should be I think yeah and I think that's such such a beautiful way to put it <laughs> such a beautiful <laughs> you writer that um to give that as a legacy like what mm. what an amazing thing to leave like she yeah. left you all that love and now this grandson gets all these stories and this legacy like you said yeah. a secular legacy and like I mean I know I've said this before on the show but um I think that's the thing with with that sort of generate with parenting and our family really is like all you can all you can do in this life is love someone so much that when you die mm. they feel it they still feel it and that's yeah. what, what like you said those tears are just oh like I miss I you. miss them yeah they were great yeah. they were brilliant and yeah. it's nice to get to a place where you said it can just bubble up and be there because it, because it should be it would be strange if it was like well now I no longer mm. miss them I have no need of that love it's like you'll always yeah you'll always miss it but it's so I think we spend so much of our lives just getting our head around missing people just being like am I meant to is this forbidden like they're just a grandparent should I just be fine that that happened yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, I'm so glad I'm through that yeah, yeah. and I, you know like it it really helped because my um, there was a period about I don't know just over ten years ago when my husband lost his mum and his dad and his grandma and his granddad all in very short oh, succession. Um, they were his both his parents were fifty seven. Wow. He'd had like a really fraught relationship with all of them, and I, you know, like we did what we could mm. to you know to get through it, but. I remember watching him and and he didn't he wasn't that upset like in some because his because his relationship had been so difficult with them he there was a bit of relief at them dying yeah. like it was a bit of an end of an era of stuff he had to cope mm. with and that, and I think that was really healing for me because I remember thinking I'm really glad to miss to be able it's a privilege to miss the people that you've lost that's that's something about the relation the quality of the relationship that you had it's not a bad thing that you're grieving it's actually a, a, a positive experience mm. that you've that you've had and yeah I think that was that changed a lot about the way I saw it definitely that's such a good way to put it is it like if if you have a good relationship with someone and they and you mm. both know that you love each other it may be more painful when they're yeah. gone and you know obviously other people yeah. have different experiences and if you have a difficult relationships sometimes yeah, that yeah. can cause all sorts of problems but yeah that that sort of sweet sadness that bitter sweetness of mm oh they really love me I really love them so I'm very sad yeah you're right it, it is a yeah it is a, a we're yeah a privilege oh Catherine I could carry on talking to you <laughs> the rest of the morning but I, I, I will I'll let you go thank you so much I just thank you it's been really lovely to talk about oh it. June and what was your granddad's name did we get his name no he was Jim yeah June and Jim you're joking yeah come on <laughs> this is too perfect June and Jim oh 
June and Jim. Well, here's to June and Jim. What absolute <laughs> legends. May we all be a little bit more like June and Jim in our... In a bit our, more June and Jim, yeah, yeah. in our lives. They just sound absolutely brilliant. <laughs> what absolutely brilliant... Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. It's been lovely. Thank you. You can follow Catherine on Twitter at underscore Catherine underscore May underscore. You follow her on Instagram at Catherine May underscore. I think just search Catherine May and Wintering and you should find her. Her book, Wintering, is available to buy now. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Griefcast. The show was recorded remotely from both our living rooms. The show was edited by Kate Holland. The music was provided by The Glue Ensemble. And remember, you are not alone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 